What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to In The Zone here on 91.3 Real College Radio. We got some big news going on in boxing world. What do we got, Jacob? Uh, well, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Cambosos just had his last fight back on Saturday. Uh, Devin Haney may or may not be going up to 140. We'll figure that out soon enough. But first things first, let's get to the important stuff. It's fight week. Terrence Crawford v. Earl Spence Jr., the fight we've been asking for for years, is finally one week away. And... I'm excited for this one. I remember, you remember back in April, I was saying Tank V. Garcia was probably going to end up being the fight of the year. You think this one will be the fight this of the is year? 100, this is going to be the fight of the year. When I was saying that, I didn't think this fight would ever happen. But finally got to happen. We finally have the opportunity. Uh, really big storyline. Both fighters are excited about it. Earl Spence is calling it a legacy fight. Crawford said that he's happy the fight's here, but I'm not satisfied until my hand gets raised. You know, normally when we talk about negotiations for fights, there's a lot of... He said, she said, he messed this up, he messed this up. These guys said they, these guys claim that they settled it over a 30 minute phone call. Yeah, and I've noticed this a lot when we talk about boxing and stuff. Everybody, it almost seems like they give off the impression they're scared to fight the other person. Mm -hmm. Well, I won't do this unless they do that. Well, I won't do this unless they do that. A lot of like, I'm going to, I don't want to do it, so I'm going to make a ridiculously high amount praying they don't take it. Yeah, but. Like you said, you know, it seems like these guys, for once, we have a boxing fight where the guys mutually want to fight each other. Oh, yeah, and uh, Crawford said in the first episode of the all-access thing that they do for mm -hmm. Showtime, he said that he called them and basically just said, I, don't, I just let them know, like, hey, what's up? Let's fight. He was like, let's make this happen. And I think it's something, it's something the boxing world needs. You know, we don't see a lot of that, like... Floyd Mayweather was one of the best and worst things to happen to boxing. Yeah. Because, A, he's Floyd Mayweather. He's 50-0. and 0, He's an amazing boxer, amazing defensive fighter, really high IQ. But he kind of had a... He kind of had a notorious... What's the word? Habit. Habit, yeah, of quote-unquote running from guys. Agree, whatever your opinions are on that, that's totally your opinion, but... Yeah, we don't see a lot of that anymore in boxing nowadays. This is something we need to see. Fighters making fights happen. But I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for this fight. I'm pretty excited about this fight, but we'll see what happens. Um yeah, I mean, you know, I've been getting a lot more into boxing as of late. I've been finding it really interesting to see some of the storylines play out and And th this one's storyline is crazy. Earl Spence is literally almost died in the previews of trying to make this fight happen um he had a life-threatening car accident a few years ago you go find the tape of it it's bad like he flipped he hit a pole he caught air it was bad and he also had to fight through a career-threatening eye injury he basically had a detached retina mm, that's not good yeah it, it it's not pretty and you know both of these guys have a history of Fighting through death, basically. Crawford got shot as a kid. Um, so there's a really good storyline. There's a really good, like, hey, people want this. Let's make it happen. No, it's like no drama, no gimmicks, no nothing. Just this is the fight people want, and we have a responsibility to give it to them. That, that's what I like to see, you know. And I, I, think, th I think we'll start to see a lot more of that as we go further along through boxing. Because we're starting to see that now, like. 
Tank and Garcia made their fight happen. Tank, granted, Tank had his conditions with the rehydration clause, but Ryan didn't care. He just said, we're making this fight happen. Yeah. And then now there's this. It's like, we're making this fight happen. And I think it'll put pressure on a lot of other different people to start fighting. Like, Fury's going to have to fight someone sooner or later. You know, uh, who else? There's not going to be any, like, rematch clause arguments or anything stupid like that. There's going to be a lot more, I think, of, hey, this is the fight people want. Let's make it happen. But, um... Another really cool thing about the story, um, Crawf- so Crawford was the undisputed champion of the super lightweight division, so fighting at 140. Yeah. Then he moved up to 147. He was the first four-belt holder in 12 years. At the what? 147? Period. It had been a re- it's been a really long time since someone was undisputed champion of the four major federations. In any weight class? Or- yeah, just period. It's been a really long time. It doesn't happen. Partially because everyone has their belts, but then they keep getting mandatory challenger number one, number two, number three. You don't always get to chase the fights that you want because sometimes the WBC, for example, will say, you got to fight this guy. You have to try to make something happen with him before you can go try to fight this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and on, on some level that makes sense. On it, It's level, a little annoying, but you know. You get why they it do is. it. Yeah, it is what it is. But um, he's currently a three-division champ, Terrence Crawford. Um... But let's get into the fun part. Who do I think is going to win? This one is a really close fight. Everyone's 50-50 on it. Some people think Spence will win it. Some people will think Crawford will win it. Um, I'm going with Crawford, and I'll tell you why. Kind of similar to why I think Usyk will beat Dubois. He has the experience, and not just the experience like he's got more fights. He's been the undisputed champ before. Like, Spence has his three belts right now, Mm -hmm. but Crawford's done this before. Like, he's been at this level before. He's been in an undisputed title fight before, multiple times. And you look at height, reach, and all that. Crawford has the longer reach. Spence is a little taller, but that's not going to be, like I said, Crawford has the reach. And Spence is a guy that is very big on fighting on the inside. Like, he'll throw the jab a couple times. To get to the inside and then he'll throw a bunch of hooks like back to back to back here's the thing though it benefits him because you know what Crawford's really good at doing countering the hook landing a counter punch in general and so once you get into that sit- and Errol Spence does something kind of unique or not unique but kind of interesting you don't see it all that often you see it sometimes but it's really interesting how he does this once he gets on the inside he's almost guaranteed to throw more than one hook and a lot of times, it's not with the same hand. It's usually left, right, or right, left. Or maybe it'll be more than two. But it kind of gives some one thing away. If you keep, like if you and me are boxing and I get on the inside and I keep throwing left, right, left, right, mm-hmm. you can time that. Okay, he threw the left, the right's coming. I know where he's open. He's throwing the right hook to the body, go to his head. He's throwing the hook to the head, go to the body. You know what I mean? I think Crawford will get his timing down after a little bit. And once that happens, it's just it's easy pickings. Yeah, but there's only so many body shots you can take before that timing is just kind of thrown out of whack. Yeah, but you got to remember, like, this ain't Ryan Garcia. Crawford is not going down on his own accord. He's not, he's not Ryan Garcia. It won't happen. And boxers, that's something they'll do. Floyd Mayweather used to do that all the time. He would sit, I'm going to take you to a fight, Floyd Mayweather versus Marcos Maidana. Marcos Maidana had the very interesting strategy of 
I'm just going to throw punches wildly for 12 rounds. Sometimes it he works, was, sometimes it he don't. He was a really dirty fighter. Really dis- dirty fighter. He threw a knee at one point. He was landing a lot of elbows back-to-back. He head-butted Mayweather at one point. Um, but Mayweather is notorious for using those first few rounds to collect data, to be like, okay, he likes to throw the double jab and then the straight, or like he likes to throw the straight hand and then he leaves his hand. His hand doesn't come back. You know, he, like, he'd figure out those little tendencies and then he'd break you down. Crawford is going to... I'm not saying Crawford's Floyd Mayweather by any means. But he does similar stuff. Well, it's just boxing at this point. Like When you do something like Spence does, where he has a really big habit, eventually you'll figure it out. You'll be like, oh, he's going left, right, left. Or left, double left, and then a right hand. You'll figure that out. You'll be able to time his hands. You'll be able to time his punches. And I think what's going to happen is through the first few rounds, they'll both kind of try to fig- figure each other out a little bit. But I think I'm, it'll pick up around the fourth, fifth round. It'll start to pick up after a little bit. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a close fight. But the way that Spence likes to fight lines up perfectly for Crawford, in my opinion. And I think eventually towards the 10th round, Spence is going to tire out. I think Spence is going to be the aggressor. And then Crawford's going to catch him. Because Crawford's the kind of guy, like, once he smells blood, he goes full offense. But he's not always just charging 24-7. You've got to give him an opening for him to get it. 100%. But once he gets it, he is on you. But I think he's. I think Spence is going to tire out. Crawford's training in Colorado right now. And, you know, you know how I feel about the altitude. <laughs> it, 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 call it a myth if you want. It's real. It is very real. It helps in the long run. But... At the end of the day, and that's not the only reason I think he'll tire out that and on top of the fact that Spence is probably going to be the aggressor, yeah. so he's probably going to be a little more active. I think I'm going Crawford with a 10th round KO. It's pretty late once you get Once you get tired, you know, your knees get a little wobbly, and it's a little easier to knock someone down at that point. And I think they're both good. It's going to be a really close fight. I feel bad for whoever's refereeing that fight because they're going to. there's a very good chance they might get threatened for their jobs. But... This is one that's not going to go the distance. There's going to be a knockout. It's going to be a bloodbath, but I'm taking Crawford. All right. So you said there was some other big news. Uh, what was it? Cambosos is yes, sir. back. So George Cambosos Jr. is now back in the mix for the lightweight title for some reason. So on Friday, sorry, not Saturday, on Friday, um, George Cambosos Jr., who's 21-2, and two, took on Maxi Hughes, who is 26-5-2 in a title eliminator fight, which basically means this fight has implications on who could be fighting for the next, in this case, IBF championship in the lightweight division. Whoever would win this fight would become the number two fighter, according to the IBF, in the lightweight division. In other words, there's one and then there's two. Yeah, you've got your champion, your number one contender, and then, and then your, your number, number two, two contender. contender. The reason this is important is because Haney is expected to move up to 140. He currently holds all the belts. Yeah. But we'll get we'll get into that in a minute. Um, the, here's the issue here. Cambosos did not win that fight. I, I was watching that fight. Cambosos didn't know how to fight against a left-handed fighter. One of the biggest things they teach you is you want your left foot on the outside. Mm-hmm. So if I'm lined up with my right hand back, you're lined up with your left hand back. I want my left foot on the outside of yours because if I'm here, 
this whole half of your your left half of your body is open to do whatever I want. No, your left hand, the left hand side of your body is protected at all times. Yeah, like you can move to the right, but now I have to go to the right side of your body. Yeah, because your left hands, your lead hands, covering up your left side of your body. My left, your right. Yeah, that's why you want it on the outside. Now you have more options. You can go to the inside, but if the outside's available, you can throw you the left. You have the availability to exactly. get it. Exactly. That's how they teach you to fight against southpaw fighters. Put your lead foot on the outside of theirs. He didn't do that at all. All night. And it showed. Cambosos is notorious for not being able to fight against real boxers. And I don't mean like real boxers like compared to influencer boxers like Jake Paul. Yeah. I mean guys that aren't like straight up knockout artists. I mean like boxing IQ type guys. You know if what I mean? If they're looking for more of a decision, go the distance type, he's not going to do well against them. If there's someone who is really fundamentally sound and has a really good IQ, he tends to struggle against them. There's a bit of, he's a bit notorious for that. But, all night, I didn't think there was a, there was, there were certain instances and certain rounds that would give him a strong case to win a few different rounds, but to go beyond that, I'd say was ridiculous. And, you know, I don't remember who the official, who the commentator was, but you know in a boxing match, they'll have the three referees and then they'll have the one commentator who's also deciding the fight to tell the fans what they think is going to happen. Yeah. He had Cambosos down three rounds to nine. So it wasn't like the Loma Haney fight either, where, like, it was pretty close. There's reasons for both guys to say they think they won, and everyone feels like Loma got robbed because he lost. But if Loma had won, everyone would think Haney had gotten robbed. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was a one-sided Cambosos. Hughes won that fight. 100%. Then I'm listening to the scorecards. I'm sitting here like, all right, you know, everyone just make sure you don't leave your trash behind in the stands and keep the arena clean. And then I hear the first referee says the score is 114 to 114. So he called it a draw. That's when I knew there was a problem. That's when I knew something bad was about to happen. And you could see the look on Hughes' face too. He was just as confused as I was. He made it, like he made a... you know how, like, when you see a stupid call in any sport, you're like, what? You, you know what I mean? that kind of look? Yeah, he gave the look to the t- to the camera. And I just remember sitting there, oh, boy, here we go. Then he said one, then the next referee said 117 to 111. The next referee, and they didn't say who it was for, which means it's probably a split decision. Then they said 115 to 113. And it ends up being a majority decision for Cambosos. So one draw, two Cambosos. When, yeah. Are the are the judges being investigated at all? Because I know they did that for the um Probably Haney not. Lo- the Haney Loma fight kind of yeah, happened. Psh. They can say they're invested. It's not going to do anything. They like they ended up bringing Shakur on, Shakur Stevenson. Mm-hmm. And he said, he was like, man, this is ridiculous. He called, he called it quote-unquote shocked and that he, he was shocked by the decision and he was disgusted. I mean, I would be too. If you put... All that work in. And I mean, you're just piecing this guy up the whole time. That's exactly what he said. He was like, we can't keep doing this thing where we spend months of our lives training for one fight and then it gets taken away because the referees did a horrible job. This isn't football. This isn't basketball. This isn't baseball. This is not a sport where like... Week in and week out, we can go in and do this. Yeah, this is one of those things like you can die in that ring. 
And I, I know it, what everyone's going to say. They're going to be like, oh, well, it could happen at any other point. Look at what happened. Like, DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, like I know what everyone's going to say. That happens way more in boxing than it does in football. Definitely. Way more in boxing than it does in basketball or baseball. Way more in boxing than in any other sport other than maybe MMA. I'll, I'll give them that much. But this is one of those things like the fight for the boxer is not, okay, this is week one of the season. The fight for the boxer each time they get in the ring is the Super Bowl. It's the World Cup. It's the World Series. It's the NBA Finals. It's the championship-style atmosphere every single time they step in the ring. You can, you don't want, no one wants to work that hard to get to that point, and then it's finally fight night. You finally get through all 12 rounds, and they raise the other guy's hand up for no reason whatsoever. And not, not even... Oh, I don't feel like he should have won, but the public feels like he should have Shakur Stevenson, who's probably going to be a champion, according to one of the four sanctions in the lightweight division at some point in the near future, unless Haney shocks the world and says, no, I'm staying at 135 and I'm going to fight Shakur Javante. Um, he's, he's even came out and said, this is ridiculous. And, it, to, and he's right, to put it quite bluntly. You know how... Irritated you'd feel if something like that happened to you. Like you go into the state championship of a football game, for example, and then the referees are just in and out, horrible calls your way left and right, and it ends up costing you the game. Yeah. You, you know how that would make you. You'd be frustrated. Incredible. You put all that work in throughout the year, through for months, all the summer trainings that no one wants to go to, all the ridiculous conditioning, the amount of times your coach says, oh, this is the last one if it's a good one, and then it's never a good one. Yeah. No one goes through all that just to have the referees take something I from mean, them. I thought that was... I would be mad at those... I got mad at those during regular season games, so I can yeah, get no, how that, people would feel about in and the like, big you got to remember, like, this was... You win this one, you're probably, unless the unexpected happens, fighting for a title sometime in the next year. Meaning, one of the four major sanctions is going to say, you are the best lightweight in the world according to us and to have that taken is ridiculous and it's because Cambosos is a face he's been there before it gives him a narrative it gives them something to sell if Cambosos ends up fighting ends up getting the IBF title and then he ends up having to fight say Gervonta or even for argument's sake we'll just say Haney he's gonna get clowned on Haney will make him look stupid. Gervonta will make him look really stupid because Gervonta is not just a southpaw. He's a smart southpaw. And he will let he will make you look stupid. Well, he's and not he just a... put you on the ground. I would say he's not just a smart southpaw, too. He's a smart southpaw with the kick of a cannonball. Exactly. And it's one of those things like no one wants to see this man fight for the title. Now, I'm not saying that I think Maxi would have gone in there and absolutely put the panhandle down on Gervonta Davis by any means. Yeah. But on Friday, he looked like the way better boxer. He looked like the smarter boxer. He outclassed Cambosos. He made Cambosos look outclassed, outsmarted. He made him look silly. He looked like a dog chasing his tail all night. But I digress. As of right now, Cambosos is probably going to end up being the number two contender for the IBF title if he isn't already. But and he'll end up fighting uh, for the number against the number one. And we'll get all into all that here in a minute. But something needs to be done about this. This is this is ridiculous. You can't just keep everything. We've had so many instances with this with boxing. 2023 has been a great year for boxing. But there have been a lot of questionable decisions made 
recently. Like there was the one 10-8 round for Javante that got scored as a draw by the one referee. There was Lomachenko versus Haney. There's Roley winning. There's Tony Reek stopping Roley Romero's fight for no reason whatsoever. There's And now there's this. Like, what are we going to do if in a week Terrence Crawford or Earl Spence gets absolutely screwed out of their titles? It's going to be a riot. It's going to be ridiculous for boxing. And everything they've done this year that has kind of brought boxing almost back to its former glory of getting the best guys fighting the best guys down the drain because the officials cannot referee a fight to save their lives. But, you know, that's just me. We'll see what happens. So... You said Cambosos is going to be fighting for a belt vacated by Haney. Tell us about that. So um, it was announced on the 17th by the WBC president that Haney has to let him know by the 21st, so back on Friday, if he planned to fight Shakur in the lightweight division or if he was going to move up to 140 and fight there. Now, we all pretty much know what's probably going to happen. He's probably going to go up to 140. To put it, like he clearly doesn't want to fight Shakur because Shakur wants more than 25% Haney's not willing to give him more than 25% and rightfully so but then let's look at Gervonta Davis to put it quite Stephen A. Smith said it best you don't want none of Gervonta yeah (laughs) and you know I was saying it after the Loma fight if I'm tank I want Haney now get some belts now I want Haney because Haney cannot fight against left-handed fighters it was made clear after he fought Lomachenkov he cannot fight against left-handed fighters. And Gervonta will land a left hand that will put Haney on the ground. Bounce his head off the canvas. So, the logical move, and the move everyone thinks he's going to make, is he's going to move up to 140. So let's talk about what this means. If Haney goes up to 140, all four belts at the lightweight division are vacated. Meaning, to put it quite bluntly... There is no lightweight champion of the world. We so, have to fight for a lightweight champion of the world. We have to pick our new champions. So here's how this would probably work. We'll start with the WBC. So if the WBC ends up getting... If Haney ends up telling the WBC, I'm going to 140, what will probably end up happening is Shakur would get to fight the number one contender, who is Loma. The reason for this is Shakur is currently the WBC's mandatory challenger for Haney. But if Haney says, I'm going to 140, Shakur mandatorily gets, I don't know if that's a word, um, he is mandatory for the title fight. So he'd fight, in this case, the number one fighter, Loma. Now let's look at what happens now. Let's say Loma doesn't want this fight. You'd kind of just go down the list. So there's Isaac Cruz, there's William Zapetta, there's Frank Martin. You pretty much just go down the list until someone says, yeah, I'll fight for the title. Scroll through the old Rolodex. Scroll through the top 15, yeah. yeah. Now, granted, we all know how Loma feels about his fight with Haney. We all know he wants a title fight. Yeah, I mean, so, like, who turns down a title fight, though? Fury. Tyson Fury. Well, okay, that's because he's terrified of Usyk, though. But yeah, but anyways, um, sometimes it happens like, oh, I've got an injury, I can't take it, you know. Well, that's Oh, I'm not, I'm not in camp right now, or... I need more it's stupid things, but stuff happens. Like there's like, it, like I said, like there could be an injury that they don't want to, they're still nursing training accident or like something like Earl Spence's case. Hey, my eye doesn't eyeball. That's true. You know, like th- stuff can happen, but basically if Loma says no, they just go down the list of the next best contender. 
But that's probably who they're going to fight. Loma and Shakur will probably end up fighting for the WBC. Next up, we go to the WBO. Now, the logical thing that would happen here was you make that Loma-Shakur fight Mm -hmm. for the WBO belt as well. But this is boxing, and -hmm. it can't make too much sense. Got to keep everybody on their toes. So in this situation, Shakur definitely isn't available because he's fighting for the WBC. Yeah. And assuming he t- Loma accepts the fight for the, being the number one contender in the WBC, he's not available either. So what would probably end up happening is the WBO, they follow the same format, but fighter num- fighters um, three and four would be the Damn next man. guys. Yeah. So they're three and four, maybe they're next, and you know, whatever situation comes out. But um, they'll fight for the WBO. Now we get to the IBF. So we were talking about Cambosos earlier mm-hmm. because this is the one that he could be fighting in title fight for. Could be. Assuming, like we said, Haney follows the plan follows through with the plan we think he's gonna follow through with. IBF does not currently have a number two contender. They have a number one contender in Gustavo Daniel Lemos from Argentina. However, since Cambosos won his fight on Friday, he is now probably going to be the number two contender. And, you know, obviously you want to get the former undisputed champ back in the mix. Yeah. That just makes sense. But we'll see what happens here. If he were to deny the opportunity, it would go to the number five contender, Isaac Cruz, because, like we said, there's... And uh, after number two is three and four, which are Shakur and Loma. But like we said, they're busy fighting for the WBC. So it would end up going to number five, the IBS number five contender, Isaac Cruz. Now we get to the WBA. The only simple one. Thanks to WBA champ now. He won it from uh, Garcia, didn't he? No. No, that was a different So So Haney is currently the WBA super lightweight champion of the world which basically means he is the WBA champion and then you've got the but, technically but he's also a cha- considered a champion by one of the other sanctioned bodies however there is not currently if Haney vacates that belt there is currently not a WBA champion that is considered to be the champion by any other sanctioned bodies so Hain- so Tank being the WBA regular champ yeah. is He's the WBA champion of the world. This is the only time, and I will say this, the only time that belt system makes things simple. Yep. Every other time, it's going to overcomplicate everything. Now, eventually, if Tank ends up fighting another person for their belts, then the number one and two contenders for the WBA will fight to become the regular world champion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll just go from there. The winner of that fight gets a belt. He gets to walk in with the belt over his hands. And, you know, maybe I'm he gets... I'm second best. I'm second best. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, um... So now Tank is the WBA champion, assuming Haney vacates his belts. He's either the WBA champion or he has to fight somebody else for it first. One of the two happens. I don't know. But only time will tell. But for all this to happen, we have to ask the question, should Haney go to 140? And the short answer is yes. You don't want you're not going to fight Shakur because he wants more than you're offering him. You're not going to fight We Javante. all know you don't want to fight Tank and we all know how you feel about Loma. You're still super worried that 
people think that you're so upset about people thinking Loma won that fight that you're going after Tom Holland for some reason. Hmm. Did you? Because did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Uh, so Tom Holland got on a podcast, and apparently Loma's his favorite boxer. And he uh-huh. said he thought Loma won the fight. Majority of boxing seems to think Loma won the fight. So he didn't say anything out of the ordinary. Not really. He kind of was just like, I believe that's what, I don't remember what the exact quote was. He was like, basically said, I believe that's what the majority of people think. And then, you know, Haney just said, yeah, I'm going to go after Spider-Man. For some reason. Just because he can. But yeah, if Haney's going to stay at the lightweight division, he's got to fight one of those three guys. He's either got to give Loma a rematch, because he's either got to fight his mandatory challenger, Shakur, we and if if he, he can make the argument, I'm trying to fight Shakur, but he won't accept the deal. And then it's okay. Well, how about Loma? Nope. How about Gervonta? Absolutely not. Hmm. Okay. Well, who are you gonna fight then? Oh, um, uh, I'll go fight George Cambosos. No one wants to see you fight that guy again. If you're not willing to fight Loma, Tank, or Shakur, chances are you're probably not fighting very much more in the lightweight division. Now, I think he should fight all. He should at the very least fight Shakur and Tank, because then you've got you can say I beat the best guys at the lightweight division, go up to 140, and then all people can really say is, eh, did you really beat Loma though? But you know that's just a shoulda, coulda, woulda at that point. Yeah. Do I want him to stay at 135? Absolutely not. If you'd asked me. Back in like February or March, if I thought Tank or Shakur could beat Haney, I'd say, I don't know, man. If you ask me now, I say, Absolutely. Absolute. Both of those guys will put an absolute clinic on Haney. Haney, I don't want him to stay at 135. I think it would make sense for him if he wants to defend his belts a little more before and to build his reputation a little more. Obviously, like we were saying earlier, you got to fight the best fighters. I don't want him to. I want him to get out of here so we can finally see Tank Shakur. We can finally see Shakur and Loma. Or even, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I want him to get out of here so that we can have some fun in the lightweight division. Go fight Ryan Garcia if you're not going to take this seriously at the lightweight division. Go fight Garcia. Go fight Roley. Go fight someone else then. Go to 140 where absolutely nothing is happening. That makes sense. Um, so let's jump it on over from... Boxing into the wonderful world of the NFL. We got two not big signings, but noteworthy signings, and one noteworthy holdout. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with the holdout. Chiefs All-Pro defensive tackle Chris Jones is appearing to hold out of training camp until he gets a new contract. Yes! Please! Hold out all year. Please. I'm begging you. Don't come back. Make the Chiefs pay you. They can clearly pay Patrick Mahomes. Make them pay you. You deserve more money, Chris. 100%. This has nothing to do with the fact that I want you to be out all year so I don't have to deal with you as a Broncos fan. Whatsoever. Our our resident Broncos fan (laughs) is very angry about this. Um, This would be a huge hit for the Chiefs because Chris Jones is pretty much their defense at this point. Like, yeah, they've got Nick Bolton. He's pretty good. And, you know, Carl Loftus, he was pretty good. But Chris Jones, let's let's be honest. If I had to pick someone on the Chiefs' D-line that I didn't want to deal with... It's Chris Jones. It's Chris Jones, 100%. You're never going to sit there and be like, oh, well, like, I want Juan Thornhill. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about the Broncos' new and improved O-line. They made a lot of really big moves on the offensive line. 
and I think they're going to do a way better job of protecting Russ this year, giving him a little more time, either in the pocket or at the very least, to get away from the pocket. Mm-hmm. I still don't want to deal with Chris Jones, though. Exactly. That'd be like saying I have all the best linemen, and I have the number one offensive line in the NFL, so let me go up against J.J. Watt in J- his prime. J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, all these guys. Yeah, put them all on the line. <laughs> no, you still— you don't want to do it. If I had to choose who on the Chiefs, and if I had to choose who on the Chiefs defense, I didn't want to deal with. It's Chris Jones. It's Chris Jones, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's still very early. It's been like two days into training camp, maybe three. I can't remember, but it's very early. He could easily get this resolved before the season. Oh yeah, and He'll we all still... know we all know Patrick Mahomes is more than willing oh, to he's... go to the GM in Kansas City and say, "Hey, if you don't have the cap space to pay this guy, I'll take another pay cut." I'm getting runt money from the Royals. I've got more money than I know what to deal with. I've already got two Super Bowls. I've got to deal with Subway. I've got to deal with State Farm. I've got money. We all know that Patrick Mahomes is not following the narrative the rest of the quarterback world is following. He's more than willing to take a pay cut if necessary to get another Super Bowl to Kansas City. We've seen him do it already once. I'd be very surprised if it came down to it. He wouldn't be willing to do it again. Yeah, and... That's kind of how Tom Brady has success, too. You know, you take pay cuts so that the team around you can stay really well-rounded. Because look and at what happened with Aaron Rodgers. He said, pay me if you want me to stay here, and then they lost Devontae Adams because they didn't have the cap space to pay the guy the offense was literally going through. Yeah. And now they don't have either. So let's jump into our free agent signings. So one that was kind of weird to us was Melvin Gordon. Signed with the Ravens. Why? Yeah, exactly. Well, so no, Hold on. Zeke is on the market. Leonard Fournette is on the market. Dalvin Cook is on the market. You have an offense that the only real problem is it can't all go through Lamar. You need to open up some windows for him so he can do a little more. Obviously, you want Lamar running the ball to an extent because he's Lamar Jackson. That's what he's good at. Yeah. But you also don't want to only have Lamar run the ball. You need to keep the defense guessing. You need to be able to pass the ball. You need to be able to run the RPO at times. For all that to happen, you need at least a semi-decent running back. And you're telling me you could have picked any of those guys and you went after Walmart Le'Veon Bell, Mr. I'm going to hold out for a year so I can end up playing for another team that isn't that good and make less money and watch my career literally go down the drain. Yeah. Well, here's one thing, though. Let's not even look at free agent running backs, right? Let's look at running backs you could easily trade for. Josh Jacobs does not want to play on the franchise tag. He's refused to sign it. Saquon doesn't want to be paid either. Has not has refused to sign a franchise tag. Both of those guys, while yes, quality running backs are still running backs. You're gonna get them cheap. So here's something we need to talk about: Are the Ravens up for worst off season of the year? Because let's think about. Sure, they got Odell. Cool. You got the guy that's notorious for one play. The guy that a lot of people. Whoa, 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 whoa. You did not just say Odell is only big. I want you to look me dead in the eye and tell me you think we know who Odell Beckham Jr. is today if he didn't make that catch. He was a 10th overall pick. 
He was on. He had the greatest rookie season of all time. He broke receiving yards records and nobody did it in cared three. about Odell Beckham Jr. before that catch happened. And what has he no, done since no, then? No, he's Cas- gone from team to what? team, getting hurt. Are you kidding me? Casuals didn't care who Odell Beckham Jr. was until he made that catch. Look at the stats. He had a thousand yard season every year up until his second year. He got injured his second year in the league. He didn't have a thousand yard season. He barely missed it. Then he went to the Browns. He got another thousand yard year, and then his second one, he tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. There you go. His then, two... then he went. Then he went to the Rams. What happened? He won a Super Bowl and had eight hundred yards in like eight games. He got hurt, and now what? Where is he? He's oh my goodness. My, let's be real. Do you, I want you to look me dead in the eye and tell me you think Odell's putting those numbers up this year? He's not. But you can't say he's only big for one play. I can say he got big off one play. He I can say that in a heartbeat. He would have been big no matter what. The one play just got him there quicker. I can say that in a heartbeat. He wouldn't be that way after that if it wasn't for that play. And I can say that you're wrong because you are. And so agree to disagree. Yeah, we will. Um, Look, okay, I'll th- I'll throw this at you then. Look at DJ Moore. DJ Moore is consistently putting up thousand yard receiving times. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore is not considered a top ten receiver. Yes, he is. No way. Yes, he is. No top ten. Okay, listen. Do you know who doesn't count him as top ten? Madden ratings adjusters, which nobody likes them. And no, no one likes their, them. They, tra- they can't get their top 10 right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nobody I'll agree tra- with you on that. Madden ratings suck. All right. Casuals. Because he went to Maryland, he got drafted to the Panthers, and he had crappy quarterbacks. Nobody knows about him in the casual world. If you pay attention to football, you know DJ Moore is a top 10 receiver and can get the job done with just about anybody. I, I don't know about top 10. I don't know about top 10. Yes, Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know about all that. Yeah, he's a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's horrible either by any means. But top ten? If he's not top ten, he's top twelve. Fifteen? No. 12. I'll give you fifteen. Twelve. I'll give you fifteen. Well, I'm taking twelve. But anyways, let's let's get back to the point at hand for a minute. So you sign Odell. Mm-hmm. Great. Pay him a bunch of money. You got Lamar Jackson, who's got half of an agent. Kinda. Finally, pay him a boatload of money. Now you're in a situation to where you need one more thing, a good running back. And you don't sign any of them on the market. Because you don't have any more money. You spent it all on Lamar and Odell. And Roquan Smith. Lamar and Odell are not getting you to a deep run in the playoffs. Maybe they'll get you to the playoffs. But let's be real. This is one of those situations that... You have all these guys that are on the market that you could go sign if you had some cap space, but you don't because you're paying a bunch of money for a quarterback that, while he's a great quarterback, at the same time, I want you, I don't want, I want you to look me dead in the eye and some of you think Lamar Jackson can do it all alone. No. I guess you got Mark Andrews. I'll give you that. And then you got Odell who, say what you want about him, he's not putting up the numbers he's used to putting up. I never said he was going to put up those numbers. But that's the point I'm trying to make. You spend all this money to get to a situation where well, they now dra- you don't have any money to sign the one offensive position that you still need. Well, they drafted the receiver in the first round. Zay Flowers. Okay. All right. He's, he's very much a Rashad Bateman type. All right. So he's not the greatest known out of all of them, but he can get the job done. Sure. And let's be we honest. Don't, the Ravens don't need to just get the job done. They need a tr- they need a Super Bowl. The people in Baltimore 
are very frustrated about the situation in Baltimore when it comes to football. Mm-hmm. Tank can't do everything for Baltimore sports. Tank and Chief Keefe cannot carry the weight. Baltimore was all they needed. They were running back away. And they got the wrong one. They got the worst one I could think of. I'd rather you go try to get the Titans to trade Derrick Henry to you. That'd be awesome. It won't happen, though. I'd rather see you go down that route before you try to sign Melvin Gordon. You're going to sign the guy who is notorious for literally not being able to hold on to the football? At running back? I just watched Melvin Gordon for two and a half years do the one thing that he had to do and suck at it, which was hold on to the ball. And he can't even do that. That's the guy you're like, that guy's leading us to the promised land behind Lamar Jackson. We'll have to see how it goes. Maybe he rebounds. But so, but so, what do you think? Are they up for one of the worst off seasons ever? Not ever. Not ever. Excuse me. Not ever. This year. Yes. We'll, we'll stick it with that. Yes. They could have at the very least gotten Leonard Fournette. I think. Probably. Um, I would have. Anything would be better than this. Probably. Um, let's jump on over to baseball. The M- the MLB. They uh. The times of baseball. They never stop. Nope. They are always going, our one consistent presence in this world. And they bring us wonderful gems, such as the Yankees being last place in their division. Yes. Sweet, sweet victory. Um, but we've actually, we've got some shockers. Actually, I want to say that very early on. We've got some shockers for division leads. So, remember how we were talking about the Baltimore Orioles, right? Yeah. You know, they're garbage, garbage, garbage. Really good. They have just overtaken the Rays for the best team in their why, division. Why does Baltimore keep doing? Didn't they do this last year? They like they were like maybe it was a couple years ago, but there was one year where like randomly they were notoriously horrible, and then randomly they just started killing it. That's almost the entirety of the 2010 Baltimore Orioles. They awful. They were awful. They go on this little stretch where they kind of gave you hope, but they were awful for the most part. Yeah, but now all of a sudden, like randomly, they're good. This isn't random. This has been a long time coming. They've, okay. start, they've been rebuilding since about 2014. All right? In baseball, that's how long it takes to rebuild. You don't just get... This isn't the NFL. Because all your NBA. prospects, you know, they got to make it through double A, triple A. system. You know, maybe you'll get a guy when he's 20, 19, if he's like Juan Soto type. Right. But you'll usually see these guys when they're 20, 21. Desperate times, you might get a guy who's 30 making his debut. Doubtful, but yeah, didn't like, that happen with like well, who was it? The Padres year, uh, had the one dude, or was it, it was the, Pirates? the Pirates? The Pirates, okay. But you know, these things take time, and this is the this is the fruit of Baltimore's labor finally kind of growing. And another Baltimore sport that needs to pick it up a little bit. Well, they just took a uh, two-game division lead over the Rays, who have been struggling, might I add. They uh, and that, that's weird too, because the Rays have notoriously been. Pretty good this year. Yeah, and it's funny because we say they're struggling in all this. They've got the third best record in the league, mm-hmm. but they're second in their division because the That's Orioles. Annoying. Because the Orioles have the second best record in the league. So is this one of those situations where you think this is maybe the Rays are starting to fall apart? Maybe the Orioles are starting to get it together? Or do you think this is just hey, it's baseball? You're bound to have a good stretch or a bad stretch every once in a while. The Orioles have been staying consistent all year. The Rays are starting to fall apart a little bit. So you think they're running out of gas? May this happens, all right. What you can hope they can do is go into a bit of a stretch. They'll get it together. 
and then they'll start winning some games, get back into the flow of things, and they're going to make the playoffs this year. I can almost guarantee it. You think so? Absolutely. So what, what, what else do we got going on in the world of baseball currently? So in the world of baseball, in the uh, obviously the AL East, you have Orioles and the Rays. In the AL Central, garbage. Hot garbage. The Twins have... Um, they have like a two-game, maybe a three-game lead over their division. And the only reason they have that is because they're the only team in their division above 500. Going hmm. into the All-Star break, the AL Central didn't have a single team above 500. And now they have one. Now they have one. <laughs> the, this is the hot garbage sitting on the used diaper. Oh, don't use this again. You've already said this like four grounds. times this year. Come up with something else. No, this is this is how. Come up with another no, analogy. This is the only. This is the only analogy that I can think of that perfectly fits this because this division is nothing but hot garbage. There is not a good thing in this division. Even the best team in this division is awful. You're not wrong, but you still got to come up with something new, bro. I don't need that. <laughs> I would have. I promise you I would have, but I could not have think I could not think of anything more that would have summed it up better in that situation. Fair enough. So jumping from the uh, jumping from the AL Central, we'll go to the AL West. The Rangers have a They firm... just got absolutely curb stomped by the Dodgers. That happens. It's the Dodgers. Yeah, I know. Um but, but... I, my dad's a Rangers fan, so I have to mention it a little bit. They just got absolutely Demolished, and so these are two teams, both I think, that are probably going to the playoffs at the end of the year, if all yeah. holds. But what do you think this says about the Rangers as far as title contending? They're not going to win a title this year. You don't think so? They're showing promise, but they're not winning a title. And are you? What do you think about like in the next year or two? Because you got to remember, they're doing all this stuff without their ace, Jacob Degrom, because he's yeah. going through. What's it called? Tommy John. Tommy John surgery, and he won't be back till next year. And I don't think it's even like spring training. I think it's like middle of next year, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And even then, you're like, well, what's going to be happening with Jacob deGrom? Is he going to be Jacob deGrom, or is he going to be aging? Yeah, aging pitcher. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll really be back to that. I think give it a couple years and the Rangers will really get it together. Three at the max, I think. I I think you have to be a little optimistic about the Rangers in the next few years, though, to be honest. Cause yeah. Let's be honest. At the beginning of the year, what was the plan for the Rangers? That they spent all this money like they normally do. They bought all these free agents because the Rangers always buy the best free agents. And then they were going to have 500, maybe a little over. Right. That was and it. the biggest guy, I think we can all agree the biggest guy they signed was DeGrom. Oh, yeah. Not even close. DeGrom was save save, our save Texas. Yeah. Save half of Texas, I guess, because there's the Astros. Who they have the three-game division lead over. Exactly, but it's save this half of Texas. Yeah. And he's not there, and they're still doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've ruled out title. We've ruled out a World Series this year. How far of a run do you think they make in the playoffs? They probably get taken out in the second round. You, so you get them getting past the wild card round, though? Yeah. Maybe, unless the Astros play them and then they turn on the switch or something. They start recording the signs again. Yeah. Um, so let's jump on over to the, to the oh, where is it, National League. There we are. Um, we'll keep it quick. My Braves, best in the league. Um, yeah, yeah, 11, yeah. 11 and a half game league. Yeah, division, yeah, yeah. 
we are the best. We always be the best. World Series champs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then let's. Go I with, hope they get curb stomped in the first round of the playoff. Not gonna happen. But the uh, Spe- speaking a- of the Braves, though, something recently went down. Trade with the Rockies. How do you feel about it? Uh, I don't know the Rockies player they traded for, but I'm assuming since he's on the Rockies, he does not play very well. He is. So it's Pierce Johnson. He's the guy that ended up being the closer this year. To put it quite bluntly, he is the garbage at the bottom of the dumpster, in my opinion. Oh yeah, you know, copy mine, why don't you? I said I said something totally different from what you said. But beginning of the year, going into June, he had like a seven and a half ERA as a closer, and he got better. But I'm I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't happy to see him go. Now I don't know if we got enough for him. We got a couple relievers, I know that, but the Braves got a couple relievers too, and that's kind of something they need because they got a couple guys on the IL, don't they? Yeah, we've had some issues with our pitchers staying healthy, so that's kind of a good shot. The only thing is, the pitchers who are on the IL are actually good, and you know, the one the, and got, they'll be back. Yeah. So this is kind of a short term, like let's patch, bring a little. This is a patchwork. This, thing. yeah, and we'll see what happens after that. But um, so jumping on over to the National League West. The Dodgers, yeah, yeah, are doing the Dodgers, Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're doing Dodgers things. They're finally catching back up. They got a four game lead over the Diamondbacks in the division. That could easily fade at any point. But oh yeah, expect, I'd be, I'd I'd be lying it. if I said I wasn't rooting for the Diamondbacks in that race a little bit. But let's expect it to grow. You know, see yeah, how we we'll get see there. what happens. Um, and then let's just—I'm going to do a quick rundown. We're fixing to switch it over. So AL wild card is mostly sorted out. We have the Rays in the first spot, Astros in the second spot, and Blue Jay and or the Blue Jays holding the third spot. Okay. It's the NL wild card that's a log jam. In places first through five, one game separates them. Really? One game. So it's a it's a real race right now. Reds are ha- Reds are in the first wild card spot with a half game up. And the uh, Marlins are in the fifth wild card spot with a half game back. So one game between those two. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, so, but if the season were to end today, the NL wild card would look like this: it would be the Reds, Diamondbacks, and the Giants, which is a solid one. That'd be a very interesting playoff too. Oh yeah, we'd get to see some really good games. Um, the Diamondbacks haven't been there in a for while. A, it's been a really long time. That'd yeah. be fun on its own to watch. But we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And let's switch it over to our last subject of the day. I don't want to do this. Nobody we, wants to hear about We don't want to do this. I don't care. Um, PGA Golf <sighs> just played its final major tournament of the year. What is that tournament called? The British Open. The, the what? The British Open. The British Open. Yeah. As in the not U.S. Open. So you have... Uh, now hold on. As it, you, where, where does this show get broadcasted from? It gets broadcasted from the United States. Uh-huh. Hey, do you know who won the British Open? No. A golfer from the United States. Cool. Wanted, How does that go. work? What? This doesn't make any sense. What? The British Open. Yeah. So, wouldn't that? why does that mean anyone can go? Because it's part of the PGA Tour. Which involves every this sport country. doesn't make any sense. What are you talking? It's you got like the, boxing. You got the U.S. There's no boxing match called the U.S. Open. No, there's just boxing matches. You're putting too much stock in the name. They need new names. Well, U.S. Open. It's the like US that. Jo- it's like that joke in Ted Lasso. It's like we went down. We got demoted to the championship, which isn't even the best league. 
Now we're back up here, and now we're in the Champions League. But to get in the Champions League, you can play, qualify as low as fourth place. It doesn't make sense. You're putting too much stock in the name. So our winner of the British Open surpri- was a surprise, actually. Brian Harmon, 36 years old. This was his first ever major championship win. Was it close? No. Not even. He smoked him. I know I saw John Rahm kind of had a was doing solid, but he wasn't it wasn't even close to being in the lead. Uh He last so, I saw he was minus 3 at the time and that was just randomly in the middle of the tournament though. So Brian Harmon finished the tournament at 13 under par. Dear lord. Yeah. Second place was 7 under par. Okay. So he blasted them by 6 strokes under par. That you don't really see that. I no, mean, that no, that doesn't happen well, very often. You see that like the difference between first and fifteenth, not first be, and second, not first and second. It's cr- imagine being doing that good to where you're seven under on the course, and you're still in second place. Well, then you'd be John Ron, John <laughs> Ron, because he uh, he tied for a second at seven under par. That's annoying. You don't even get to hold second. You got to share your place on the platform. I guess you got to do better next time. Should have been one more under. Should have been one more under. Should have gotten minus eight. <laughs> so, uh, at tied for sixth was Rory McIlroy at six under par. Okay. So, okay. here's the difference though. Tied for sixth doesn't look as impressive, or kind of doesn't look impressive. He was one stroke under second, and the only reason he's in sixth was because there's first place, Brian Harmon. Right. There's a four-way tie for second, and then there was sixth place. Dang, there's no room on the pedestal anymore. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's kind of why you'll be like, oh, he tied for six. He didn't do well. Actually, he was one stroke he under. Technically, the, he tied for third. He technically tied for third. Technically. But that, ugh. So, one more guy is who did not who did not do well. Scotty Scheffler tied for uh, 23rd. Dang. What is going, this, what's happening to this dude? He broke even. What is going on? We were so excited about this guy last year. It's, one, he's gotten hype because he's an American golfer. And, you know, while America may not pay as much attention to golf as it does its other sports, when an American does well at something... The world notices. The world, the country notices, and we're like, we don't know anything about golf, but that guy's beating you by three points. That's kind, of, that's kind of what happened with Deontay Wilder. Like, when he became the heavyweight champion way back in, like, 2011, 12, mm-hmm. the heavyweight division was non-existent for America. Then this guy won it, and everyone was like, Boxing! Heavyweights! Yeah! Throw punch hard! Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty much... That's just American nature. I don't know anything about this guy, but... America! What's a kilometer? <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much how this goes. Scotty Scheffler, he's American. Right. He won the Masters. So winning the Masters... Like, we all know the Masters is something casuals pay attention to. Oh, yeah, my dad watches the Masters. Everybody watches the Masters. So, as an American, winning that pretty much gives him everybody's attention. Right. So, all the people who don't really keep up with golf might say, oh, but he's the greatest ever. He's just having a bad... Like, yeah, he's a good golfer, but maybe this is just a bad year. Maybe it was a fluke. Who knows? Maybe. And, I get, you know, we got plenty of time to find out, but this guy, like, he fell off this year. Sometimes you have rough years. Sometimes... Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Maybe he said, you know what, I got paid, who cares? I'm just going to go out here, do my thing, and then I'm going back to the Masters next year. Oh yeah, speaking of uh, payment. Brian Harmon, first place, $3 million. 
Dang. I will reiterate my statement. Those of you who don't think golf is worth it, you're wrong. I mean, if you play, it's worth it, I guess. I, all it takes... Guys who finish tied for 23rd, like Scotty Sheffler, they get like $100,000. Yeah, I guess if you play, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do, bare minimum. I mean, if you've seen Happy Gilmore, you know how this works. Bare <laughs> minimum, you'll get like $60,000, you go to the next tournament. <laughs> you don't even have to hit the ball, or you don't even have to play good. You just have to hit the ball hard. And then maybe make a run, but... Maybe. Maybe once or twice you make it look really cool. Oh, and then, it's really close. And then, you know, if you don't... Well, you still made $60,000 this year at the minimum. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst you did? I've got somebody's payment from a year in one weekend. Exactly. I don't have to work for the rest of the year. Alright, man. That's all we got for today. I'm gonna wrap it up here. Uh, my name is Tristan. What's going on, y'all? My name's Jacob. And we are in the zone radio here on RSU Radio 91.3, Real College Radio. See y'all next week. Well, not next week because we'll be out of town, but we'll be out of town. See y'all in a little bit. Classes start up soon, so maybe one day we'll get to talk about some more stuff. Maybe.